The Night Space brings you high time story time every Wednesday night from 10 to midnight on Mutiny Radio. Listen to San Francisco's finest underground comedians read crazy stories written by me, Arden, on The Night Space. The Night Space featuring high time story time every Wednesday night from 10 to midnight on Mutiny Radio. High Time Storytime Volume 1 now available on Amazon.com for Kindle and electronic download. Sunday, June 11th at Cobb's Comedy Club, 7.30 p.m. Tickets are $16 for the All-State Heavyweight Comedy Showdown! Hosted by Terry Dorsey, featuring some of the best comedians all over California. From San Francisco, Pam Benjamin. From Saratoga, Joey Avery. And all the way out of San Diego, Mike DeVore. Other comedians as well for only $16 at Cobb's Comedy Club, 915 Columbus Avenue. Go get your tickets for June 11th now. Welcome, it's high noon here on Mutiny Radio. I am Pam Benjamin, the host of the UltaCast. Yay, Latoya the Sheriff of Truth is on her way. There was a shooter in the UPS store or something, so Petrero was closed because San Francisco is on fire. My goodness, why, why when a team wins do we decide to throw beer bottles at cop cars? What is, what is wrong with you, San Francisco? We won. The Golden State Warriors are amazing. Why we gotta turn cars over and light things on fire? I don't understand it. That's what you do when you lose, because you're angry. But when you win, you destroy shit? What the fuck is wrong with you people? Welcome to the AltaCast. Uh, I'm wearing a very cool new belt, thanks to Under from Skin on Skins. Uh, Timothy Pizza's in the room, and I can look at my cool belt. Look at that. Yeah, I know. It's a real and and on the back he stamped warriors. You can see on the back of the he hand stamped with this stamper thing. GS and warriors on the back. You can come look at it thing. Anyways, under skin on skins everybody. It's at 20th and mission and he knows that I'm an enormous warriors fan and so because the warriors won he gave me a belt with an awesome Warriors buckle. I'm going to wear it every day until they win next year. And then I'll just keep wearing it. It's going to be great. Uh, Again, we're waiting for Latoya, the Sheriff of Truth, win because there was some shooter. Uh, That's exciting. And Timothy Pizza also got stuck in the traffic. I was on the bus and we got stuck in the traffic because the nine was being rerouted all the way around because of, uh, you know, death or whatever. Shooters, shooters, things are going crazy, everyone. Why? Why? What's going on in the world? Well, Let's find out from Drug Policy Alliance uh, on the AltaCast. Every week we do news from the Drug Policy Alliance and also from NARL, Pro-Choice America. Why? Because abortion and drugs are important to me. Those are, that's <laughs> when they're taking my civil liberties away. The first ones I'm worried about are kind of family planning. I have an IUD, so don't worry, people. It's going to be okay. 
you're not going to have to deal with the, the, the baby that I would raise as an alcoholic. I mean, I wouldn't raise the baby as an alcoholic. I'm the alcoholic, and why would you want me to be raising a child? You see, I'm only sober when they pay me. That's why I'm a nanny. Great with kids. Wonderful. And always sober when I'm with them. And that's why... I could never have children because I'd never be able to drink and that would be awful because I'd have all this responsibility because I'd have to feel like I'm going to want to be a good mom or whatever. Uh, and that's the problem is uh, force people to have kids. You're gonna, they don't want to have them. You're going to make them suffer. And then they you know, put invisible shame on that child. Mommy could have been something if it wasn't for you. Although I'm already 42, so it's not like mommy's going to be anything. Am I right? All right. Drug Policy Alliance news. Do, 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 do. Uh, that and gnarl and good stuff. We're going to find out from Latoya when she gets here what's going on in the world closest to us here in the Mission District of San Francisco at mutinyradio.fm, 21st and Florida. There was one other thing about news I was going to say. It'll come to me later. Oh, that's right. Donate buttons. Go to mutinyradio.fm if you downloaded this podcast from that place or go there anyways and click that donate button and give us a dollar or five dollars. I think that there's, I think it's just a specific amount. It's like a dollar. But you, come on, you can afford it. Help community radio stay alive. Uh, also, Drug Policy Alliance, you can donate on their page uh, to save your, your rights. <laughs> and also with Narl Pro Choice America, again, saving your rights, women and people who love drugs and babies. I mean, I do love babies, and that's why I, I don't ever want to have one because it would be irresponsible for me to do that. Let's read the news from Drug Policy Alliance. All right, newest things that just came out. New Jersey, we've got New Jersey, New York. Oh, this is good. Governor Christie. Oh, Chris Christie, what's he trying to do right now? Uh, Governor Christie signs life-saving legislation into law, expands access to naloxone. For those of you who don't know what that is, it's when people are overdosing, you can give it to them and they won't die. Yay! Trenton, last week, Governor Christie signed Senate Bill 295, Assembly Bill 2334 into law. This life-saving legislation expands access to naloxone by making it available without a prescription in more pharmacies across the state. After the signing of the bill, Roseanne Scotti, state director of the New Jersey Office of the Drug Policy Alliance, issued the following statement. Drug overdose is the leading cause of accidental death nationally and in New Jersey. Most of these fatalities involve opioids such as prescription painkillers or heroin. The majority of overdose victims do not actually die until one to three hours after taking a drug. And most of these deaths occur in the presence of others. This creates a significant opportunity for witnesses to intervene and provide help. In addition to calling 911, overdose witnesses can administer the opioid overdose antidote, naloxone, also known by the trade name Narcan. Naloxone is a life-saving prescription medication that counteracts respiratory depression associated with opioid overdose. Restoring the victim's breathing as quickly as possible is the best way to prevent brain damage and death in an overdose emergency. Naloxone has no abuse potential, few side effects, and is simple to administer, making it safe and easy for lay people to use. 
Currently in New Jersey, pharmacists can dispense naloxone without a prescription using a standing order from a physician. This has allowed large chain pharmacies, including CVS and Walgreens, who have physicians on staff to provide their customers with safe access to naloxone. For smaller pharmacies without physicians on staff, providing a way to dispense naloxone without a prescription gives them the option of providing the same service to their customers and the community and will help save more lives in New Jersey. We thank Governor Christie, Senator Vitale, and Assemblyman Benson for their leadership on this important issue. The Drug Policy Alliance led the overdose prevention campaign, which previously advocated for the passage of the Overdose Prevention Act and legislation to expand access to naloxone. Thousands of needless deaths have already been prevented through the work of the campaign and Senate Bill 295, Assembly Bill 2334, will prevent more deaths by further expanding access to naloxone. Yay! Expand. I mean, why not? Why have people died? Unless you're of the mindset of, well, they're poor, let them die. You know, like, uh, is that what the Bible says? If they're, if they're poor, let them die. I'm not, I, I think that there's an on-off switch on that. It's not coming in or something's going on. Maybe something's happening. Maybe the, maybe the, uh, the XLR cable at the bottom. No, at the bottom of the microphone. Push that in, possibly. Um, no, it's still not working. That's a bummer. I wonder if someone switched them around. Try try now. Nope. Try again. Nothing. There it, there is. it is. Someone switched four. Okay, so All first right. thing of the day. Hey, fuck you people at the station. When you move things, put, put things back. back. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Who I raised mean, you? Well, that's the thing is, and I should have, I was here, I was looking up the news, and I should have done my sound check on things, and I should have gone all the way well, around. put things back. That just pisses me off, because I didn't, anyways, yeah, when you move it, put it back. What, I mean, it's kindergarten. You, yeah. Your parents should have taught you. Taught you, teach you. I don't mean to forget. So what was what is going on? There's a the, oh, there's dude. a shooter on yeah, the, in that the UPS. UPS. Okay, it's over there. Um, I think it's is that 16. Yeah. Yeah. There's some deranged shooter uh, that went through that UPS building, right there, and shot some people. Whoa. Yeah. That's pretty fucking scary. That's insane. Yeah, like you can kind of throw like two rocks from here to there. Right, absolutely. Yeah. And um, it, why is it always going postal? I, why does it have to be involved with the postal it's, service? I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know all the details, but from what I saw, it's like kind of crazy. Yeah. Oh, there, so. the nine buses being rerouted. Everything's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So I was on the twenty-seven, and people are just honking and going crazy, and I'm like, the driver will get us there eventually. It's going to yeah. be okay. But unfortunately, someone went postal on a Wednesday. That's oh, it's really scary. That's fucking scary. Super scary. Yeah, that. I mean, it's especially gonna, it depends if it's because that UPS is like uh, mostly workers. That yeah, move it's around. It's yeah, not, it's it, not a place where public people go. But right. still, I mean, yeah. Anytime you hear crazy shit like that, that wow. Well, we'll heard it here first. Messing yeah. up Petrero, big shooter. Uh, I, now that's the thing. What people I feel like are getting more feeling desperate i've been feeling stressed and desperate oh yeah i mean hearing desperate times call from desperate measures but just even from last week i've been so stressed out because hearing about the cuts in food stamps and not just cuts but that they're going to be charging <laughs> they're going to be taxing people who take food stamps food so stamps. all that's going to do ch- they're charging the poor they're, well they're all they're going to do though is now they're going to charge the grocery stores but all they're going to do is reduce our access to food because stores that used to carry food stamps aren't going to do it anymore you think the little chinese market downstairs from my house is going to take food stamps anymore they when they get charged for it to. well they won't because they're yeah. not going to do it because they they were making money before and now why would why would a small grocer 
pay an extra tax to have food stamps. There's no benefit for them. They're just going to, this is just another way for the government to cut off foods because they want us to die. They want to take away our access to naloxone because they're like, oh, poor people, just let them die. Just let those heroin addicts die. Oh, they're already poor people. uh, Keep reducing their access to food. Just let them starve. Just let them die. Let's just make them, oh, you know what we're going to, you know what we're going to do though? We're going to give them hot food stamps so that they can use it at McDonald's so they can eat non-food and that they can get sick so they can die because we just want them to be good consumers and then die. <laughs> right? Isn't that what they want us to do now? Because we're poor people. I mean, we have no value. We have no worth. We're nothing. We are little consumers. Slow, it's a slow process of, yeah, suicide I mean, in some kind of way. Yeah. Or, excuse me, not suicide, genocide. Yeah. Uh, I mean, hence, you know, talking about the opioid epidemic, a lot of people, you know, became addicts because of. They're what? depressed. We're freaking out. We don't. Well, that's the thing is that the problem is that we have this mentality, this entitlement mentality that we're all special little fucking snowflakes. And then when we don't get this special treatment and we don't all turn into Britney Spears, it's like, ah, you know, what's going on with my life? Or, I mean, we've been talking to Steve Poggi in fucking St. Louis, St. Louis St. and the, what a completely different life they lead. And it's just so crazy to me. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, and I feel sorry for my fellow state where Steve Poggi is, because since that's a red state, they really get in their shit slashed. I mean, I'm, you know, yeah, it's very, it's all very, you know, for me, I feel the fear because I'm, I just, I see the future and it's like, they don't see us as people. That's what he said last week. Fucking Eric, ugly fucking Eric Trump. I don't see you as a person. Your eyes too close oh, together. God. Women only fuck you because you're rich. You ugly piece of shit. Oh, I played golf and my daddy that. gave me everything I want. Oh, no, he's fucking everybody. If he's married or not. All those yeah. rich guys. Because we're not even, not only are we not people, because we're women. We're just objects, right? Third wife eyes down. Be uh, pretty. Have big tits. If you're not skinny enough, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to listen to you anyways because I already have you on the payroll or whatever. They live in their own bubble. It's slavery. It's the yeah. 1% in Enslaving women, enslaving, enslaving our entire, club. enslaving our entire community, uh, but through consumerism. For this moment. Well, no, we're enslaved through consumerism, but we as yeah. women are enslaved, and then again, now we as consumers are enslaved. Well, what, what and we're mean? not real people. Democrat, Democrats. He said last week, we're not, we're not real, we're not people. If we're not people, then we're objects. We're just little things running around to make them more money. We're not people. We're well, just. Here's the thing: we can't make you more money when you cut off our programs and you don't get a. Pro- proper minimum wage or living you know above means you can't you can't buy anything that's the thing that you cannot get a a economy going when people are desperate for jobs desperate for work i mean you can't there was a study that said that uh, was talking about how millennials aren't buying homes and big you know and property really anymore because the fact of the fear of not being a well first of all they don't want to be tied down well yeah to they're anything. yolo they're like oh yeah. i don't want to have a 30 year mortgage 30 exactly. years they i don't can't even tied- think three years in the future right and right. then all, a lot of us have student debt as well sure so we're already handcuffed to our student debt right but we don't want to be tied down to a 30-year mortgage and and by the way there's no guarantee we'll be able to still live in that house because we've seen the collapse Absolutely. and then and the other thing is once you buy a house everything that goes wrong with it you have to fix it well yeah all of a 
sudden the roof is out and now you need 20 grand. All of a sudden the water heater blows and it's 1200 bucks. Like that's the problem. I used to own a house with my ex-husband and what a stressful thing that is. It becomes stressful. Uh, the fact of the matter, there's no guarantee. You, yes, you say that this is your house, but we saw with ha- the housing crisis in 2008, what happens. Right. That is not yours until it's completely paid for. Right. And then there's times when it's completely paid for and you take out a second one and then what happens? Well, and then you see on the TV, they're saying, are you looking at retirement? Do a second mortgage on your home or a back pay That's loan. That's how they get Where it's you. like, you know they're going to get your house That's at the end. That's how they get once you. you. But then once you're dead, who cares, right? Yeah. Well, you when you're dead, you still have debt. <laughs> dead now, <and> debt. <laughs> That's the thing. Now, the here, horror movie. Here's, here's my question. I don't talk to my parents anymore. If they die and they have debt, does that somehow go to me? Yes. But I don't yes. even talk to them. It, it like what my mother it is passes. Not my responsi- yeah. It's not my responsibility. How is that my responsibility? Well, <laughs> I need, Timothy Pizza says I need to fake my death. Wouldn't it be my brother that would be responsible? Because he's the one with the job in a house. You would both make him responsible. You are still a Benjamin, and you still in that. I'm sure you're still in that will someplace to connect you. No, to they the told me. They told me that there's nothing left. Years ago, and I said I don't want anything anyways. And they go because they're going on cruises to like Greece and everything else. Yeah. What? That's too dark for them. No, no, no. It's not that they don't like. I mean, they're fine with. They're very nice people that are easy to travel. I mean, they're they're fine people. They're just very very bougie. They're just bougie bougie people, and they have Whoa. you know they play golf and they have a lifestyle and they love it. You know, they ride around in their golf carts and and that was their dream. And you know what? And they got it. And good for them. Honestly, like. They were the baby boomers that had the dream and they got it. Now, they didn't get their whole dream because a part of it would have been me being a normal person, but <laughs> they got well, most they, of it. They're not like some of their other, you know, their other people, their other peers who are baby boomers who lost their homes and what have you, right. you know, who wanted to retire or did retire and had to go back to work. Well, if my, if my parents wanted to be proud of me, there are many ways that they could do that. They, they could be proud of me having no student loan after I put myself through graduate school in cash with no help from anybody, not my ex-husband, nobody. I moved, I moved with seven bags to San Francisco. I got into graduate school. I paid for it in cash. And now I own a small radio station. There are many things. I was like cops on Sunday. There are many things that my parents could be proud of me for. And they just choose not to be. Which is interesting because they could be fans. Except that I'm sure if they heard my 17-year late-term abortion joke, they'd be like, you are a, you're a Satanist. You're a horrible person. Well, yeah. I think that would be any parent's nightmare. Like, I can't believe you talked about that. But, you know... When's the last time you guys had sat down and talked? Five years, five years ago, maybe. Uh, the last time I saw them was with when drummer comedian Aaron Barrett and I were still dating. So that was at least five years ago. Because they came to my apartment and he was there. And it was funny because I was like, you know, talking. I was, my dad and I email back and forth or whatever. I don't talk to my mom, but I email with my dad and I, he calls me sometimes. Uh, but he was like, yeah, you've got some blonde boyfriend or something. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, Jonathan. He's like, Jonathan I thought his name was Aaron and I'm like Aaron and I broke up like years ago years and years I'm like Jonathan and I this June June 16th what's the day today uh the 12th so the June oh excuse me June 16th is the like the anniversary of us like starting to fuck that was like our fuck uh, anniversary but for like the first time that was like the first time we had sex was June 16th twenty. 13. And it's funny because it was right around the time that I started d- being the director of the station and it was very funny. So four <laughs> years, four years with Jonathan. Now our official, our official 
anniversary is Christmas Day. That was when he was oh. like, yeah, we woke up. And, I know. And he was like, he was like, I think that we can say that we're really, we're really dating. For, Merry Christmas, really, sweetheart. We're very, very, this is monogamous. Best gift we you've ever ready. got. What does that mean? Oh, it's term of dick. I see. Yeah. Uh, no, he's great. I mean, I, I mean, I think I think he's awesome. He's hey. he's great to hang out with. And see? I certainly don't want to be with anybody else. Like I definitely don't. I mean, I see? don't even. I don't even like look at. I mean, they played this game the other day when the Warriors were before the game started, and and they were like, "Who do you think is the hottest warrior?" And they're asking all the guys, and it was very funny. And um and and I was like McAdoo, and he didn't even get any playtime in that game, but. Um, McAdoo or Iguodala I think is very very hot now Jonathan said Iguodala was his he thought he was the most attractive but I'm also a Draymond Green I think that Draymond is fucking hot so much passion sports I'm just saying no we're, we're not talking about sport we're talking about hot guys but, hot guys teams. I know this is, I don't like athletes I'm well, not I don't like athletes no, I haven't really attracted this cartoon duck lately <laughs> you gotta talk into a microphone cartoon duck I haven't really attracted this cartoon duck that I saw the other day Cartoon uh, ducks. It's a new thing for me. I don't know how to deal with Oh, that. no. You're Cartoons. one of those. No. Yeah, I, don't I, I, turn into that. I don't. I don't it, dude, she, she's goth and has red eyes and has a, a black uh, fat cat with a hipster uh, haircut. It's, it's a duck? And it's a duck. It, and uh, the cat's name is Gothfield. Oh, that's cute. That's Gothfield. cute. That's yeah. very, very cute. But that's don't cute. get into that. No, no, no. No, no. No yeah. cartoon play. I know. Then you'll next thing you'll be into um, tentacle fucking and yeah uh, i don't yeah, yeah i just i gotta i gotta i gotta i gotta figure some shit you're naming all those boss basketball mm, players mm, mm, mm. i don't even know who the fuck they mm, are i'll pick up some pictures for you here's the thing <laughs> i found i found a picture of stephen curry with his shirt off but the problem is he was so young he looked so young at the time that it actually makes me feel like a bad person to look at it it turns me on so much and he looks so young that I makes me then feel badly about myself. It makes me feel like a pedophile. I know in the picture though he was probably maybe like 24 but he just looks so young. He's got a baby He's baby got the face. He's a baby face assassin. He's got those beautiful green eyes. He just It's like I want him to read me a bedtime story. You know? I like I him because You I met Stephen him. Curry? I sat next to him at a car dealership for like 20 minutes. Oh my god. Place. Oh my god. I know. Oh he, my god. He probably liked you for not asking. I would have been um, He looked at me and like gave me like kind of like a hey look and I gave him a hey look and then I thought Aww. he was going to start talking to me, so I just like, picked up my phone. Oh, my God. I would have uh, talked. Dick I move. I <laughs> uh, when, I, when I went into the office. To I ought to slap you phone, for that one. Um, that girl was like, oh, my God. How did you just sit next to Stephen Curry? Stephen. Stephen. Not Stephen. Stephen. Stephen Curry. Yeah. He was a, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I guess everybody's shit. Because he bought the. Best player in the world. You bought that weird. Except for uh, Kevin Durant. Oh, cool. Well, I'm so glad that he's spending his I'm money. I'm glad wisely. he's still with his wife, yeah, too. Yeah. He, he's not a hoe like most athletes. Mm-hmm. That's why I don't like he athletes. He is. Okay, so I think he's best looking, but I can't say that because he looks too young and he's married, so I just wouldn't even. But McAdoo's married as well, but he's really, he's t- he's so big. He's like a giant. I bet you he's so, so big. hot. He's so hot. And then <laughs> Iguodala. Listen, why do I like NBA so much? Because they wear those tank tops and you get to see their hot bods. It's always a bummer that they don't I like soccer players well that's the thing is that soccer players will rip off their shirt yeah and that's awesome. but I prefer ducks. and 
But the quack. You never. The only, the only one who would take his shirt off was Dennis Rodman, and I don't give a fuck about that guy. He's like, look at me. I'm taking he's going to North. He's going back to North Korea. Oh yeah, he's going back to doing math. Yeah, oh, that's great. Yeah, I just like making up slander about he's, it. Uh, we talked about this last night, though. Dennis Rodman. We thought, oh, he's probably done crack. He's definitely oh, one know of the. Dude, you know okay, I got a Dennis Rodman story. Oh sweet. Okay, so. Really? This is the duck? I'm sorry. She looks He's possessed. She is possessed. She actually is possessed. Oh, possessed duck. That's ancient. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I'm going to leave this one alone. Yeah. <laughs> Dennis Rodman um, was there, from what I know, from a friend of a friend, the night that uh, Chris Farley uh, overdosed. Steve, or Dennis Rodman was there because... Dennis and Chris were really cool. They were good friends. Huh. And my friend of a friend who was there at, the, at that night at uh, Chris Farley's house, there was the word, not just cocaine going around, but the word crack. Because um, Chris Farley liked his drugs too. Absolutely. And so did Dennis Rodman. So the word is on the street is there was some C&C, crack cocaine, wow. going around. Well, and this is the night... Uh, that supposedly Chris Farley OD'd. And I, um, they were at a club called Crowbar uh, together. See, I know all the Chicago mm. tales. Um, Poor Chris Farley. Well, you know, though, he... He I did watched, a job Belushi, I know. I, well, I watched both of their the special things on them or whatever, and I was... kind of eerie, right? That was about their... Yeah, their rampant drug use and their fatness and their like what, just no 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 they just didn't give a fuck you know what I, I mean know. Um, they just would eat and that's the thing they have a whole thing about it in those movies they're like they would just indulge yeah, in everything yes. to the utmost oh, like to the utmost. like so you know one night you're gonna do a whole pile of crack but then if you bring over a dozen donuts you're gonna eat those too because why not why eat one donut why not eat 12 donuts might as well the musical director when I was uh, at Second City because I used to work there too would tell me Chris Farley's stories he told me every he had been there since like the 70s so he told me a bunch of shit mm. but so Chris Farley would go before he would go like drink like a whole bottle of wine and then get on stage and then Saturday nights was this kick it like for real kick it night so there's this bar that we uh, everyone would go to across the street from Second City he would eat a whole tub of ice cream like Ooh. the big ass tubs oh drink like wine and whiskey and shit Ooh. and then Sunday morning comes he go to church <laughs> he'd still be drunk Hell yeah. and then it was kind of his ritual thing and then he'd go back to Second City perform that night and he felt guilty that's why he would go to church or what have you so he would, he would repent every sure. Sunday and then and then go back to another two and a half gallons of ice cream yeah you know so Gross. um in when I was in, uh, that, yeah. when I was in high school, and I was, uh, you know, pretty hardcore bulimic, before track practice, I would run down to Baskin Robbins, and I would buy a pint of ice cream because at the time their pints were only a dollar ninety nine. What a deal! I know. I know. This right? isn't. Well, no, I'd run all the way to Baskin Robbins because they were having a special or whatever. You know, it was underneath the. It was across the street from Primo's Pizza. Oh, right, 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 right. So Baskin Robbins was there, and I would run to Baskin Robbins, and I would get a pint of something without chunks in it. And I would eat it really fast. Uh, and then I would the run chunk. back. I would run back to school. I would barf. And then I would run. And sometimes I'd specifically do it on Thursdays, which are track meet days, because 
I'd eat the ice cream and I'd run and when I threw up it gave me adrenaline so it would yeah, make me run faster rush. so I would yes. eat yeah. so I'd eat the ice cream I'd get to the track meet and then before like the 3.30 hurdles I'd throw up and then I'd run them and then I'd run the two mile Good for you. so I like warmed up yeah I know right Bul- <laughs> bulim- let bulimia work for you um, <laughs> and it was so funny because I still I thought I was so fat I was go-lemia. I go lemia actually that's funny I used to think it's so funny because I can still fit in those little outfits or whatever but I thought I was so fat in high school and I just can't I can't imagine that nobody pulled me aside and was like you're actually really thin like nobody ever yeah, was like Carpenter. size 7 is totally thin 579 you, you listen if you're like toward the 7 you're a fatty Five, seven, well, nine. no, that's well. That's the thing is that I was. You grew up with the. I mean, the, yes. it's the nine hundred two one zero thing of like everybody's. Everyone's a stick. All I, the pretty girls are. My, I mean, I fought this body for twenty five years, and it's like. I'm still fighting it. But you've got these huge, wonderful boobs that oh. are like mine are tiny, and I'm like a little boxy frame with my little. Hip. No, I love you it got, now. You know, your body is karate. Um, <laughs> Um, and the thing is, it's just like, especially, I'm, I'm sure if you go back and look at some of your peers from when you grew up and what have you, how they look now, they probably wish they had body karate. Um, <laughs> but my obsession, uh, how I how I became a bulimic, yeah. I, I was into like high-end fashion and I always watched those fashion shows like from Paris and Milan. And I would always, I'm obsessed over Vogue because I liked that shit. And I, this is when things got weird. So I started, I remember the first day I purged, we got back from a field trip at Six Flags and it was toward the end of the school year. How many churros did you eat? (laughs) One, two, Two. three, It wasn't just churros, it was funnel cakes and hot dogs and barbecue Mm. and then going on rides. And it's greasy stuff, so it comes right back up easy. Oh, dude, and Mm. limeades and ices. 3,000 calorie day. Dude, at Six Flags, and like, yeah, I came home and I felt so gross. And I'm like, I remember someone told me about, you know, you know, making it come up. So uh, I proceeded or proceeded to try, and I st- it worked, and I felt really great. I'm like, wow! Yeah. And that was in 1996. That there was May go. 1996. I remember my first, my I first purge. My first purge. But like, I think the obsession <laughs> of <laughs> that should be a TV show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could be all the bulimic. It could be a good. It could be a good, actually, a reality TV show. Yeah. My first purge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like all of them. Like, it's a bunch of girls in the room. Like, oh, I was raised in a bushy. I was. I've, I've always been beautiful, but never beautiful oh, enough. Oh, somebody help me! <laughs> I'm a special uh, snowflake, but I'm not so thin many enough. Things I want to say. My brain's just becoming a blank slate right now. Yeah, <laughs> you think a, about that duck. It's oh, it's oh, funny, Johnny. but I mean, bulimia is totally a disease that comes out of a social issue with Americans' yeah. entitlement issues and what we do and what we expect of other people and what women are supposed to be and how it's America teaches you that you can be anything you want as long as you have enough money. Right. You if your nose is weird, you want to look like fix a Kardashian, it. you can fix it. You want to you want to have longer hair, you can some, fix it. You can add like it. Me. You can wave it in. You can you can get sew it in. Sew it in. You Blow can it suck in. it off. You can staple it. Staple it. You Lift can pull it. it back. You can like 
what is our obsession with just it's not it's like well, augmenting our humanity oh uh, well yeah absolutely and you know what i think for older women who want you know who want to do that shit i think go ahead the more power to you because i was not a fan of plastic surgery for a long time but i think the older i get the more i do realize why women do that but there is an extreme to it you don't have to alter yourself and kill yourself in order to look like something that is not that isn't you. real well that isn't real the yeah. problem is that we as a society have pushed these images of women which are not normal right women are not five nine to, to six feet tall women and 115 pounds but that's the thing is when I we see the runway models or we look in the yeah. well now and we look in the th- we look in the uh, in the in the magazines and with the hair i mean yeah. i watched that that chris rock thing and oh, i can't hair? even imagine oh, the, the oppression that you're you're put through because oh, your yeah. hair is not Wouldn't the way it's supposed to be because the white people say that this is beautiful straight, and kill you your, have to kill yourself and put chemicals in your hair and stuff. Absolutely. I don't do that shit um, but also here's something really funny now too how the circles have kind of turned a little bit how you know, black women especially were made fun of of her asses, oh. and now you have people just getting really ridiculous with ass, ass plants. They yeah, get implants for their asses. I used to get chastised about my ass, and then as I gotten older, and especially in my twenties, I started to appreciate my ass because mm. other people appreciate my ass too. Um, and now you see this trend of like how far people will go and how disproportionate it looks on your body same with tits get a boob job if you want to but let's let's not get re- ridiculous and don't do it just because i i want to look like this person or because the or man I want to please wants you this to. person uh, your husband do wants it you for to yourself get not that's why i don't boyfriend. think young women should get uh-uh. uh any kind of plastic surgery i mean if, unless you want to get a boot job i get it but facelifting and all that and cheek implants the, that's I think if you're like a woman the under 35, those, you really don't need the. Even in your 40s, you really don't have The reason those to. things exist are for people who are deformed in accidents or who are just so ugly when they're born that you got to do something. <laughs> you got to pull their eyes apart or you got to fix them. Like something so asymmetrical, you got to fix it. Fine. I don't. I don't mind a little Botox or if you want to get you know a facelift, but you know. I don't know. I don't know about facelifts. They they cut they cut your hair out and then they pull your don't face. Don't look up like Kenny Rogers though. Ooh. It all it all scares me. Voluntary voluntary surgery freaks me out. But yeah. but the reason okay so but all of this gets back to self esteem and body image and how in America from a certain point when advertising started becoming I mean it all started with advertising in the 1900s when I mean body odor what what we made up deodorant deodorant's a made up thing people use you know like and think about how that proliferated. Well- hygiene projects like products how that just like all these things you need that you didn't know you needed and and how i mean i think here put put it this way i think for the common person you know i i feel it's relatively new but for those in high society the especially going back to the 1700s and thinking marie antoinette and you know her homies you know i'm sure they had this person projection of a certain standard of how you're supposed to look 
for the peasants we were just trying to eat right right um well but, but and that's why that's why larger women uh rubenesque uh that's the terminology but because this guy uh ruben made paintings in the, the 17 and 1800s somewhere around there yeah. but all of his women are naked and big and, and, and the, that lo- the look was the look was called rubenesque and so people say oh but she's a big and that was complete that was the utmost high standard of beauty because people were starving. Exactly. So you Skinny wanted to see not, fat bitches because you're like, they must eat a lot. And, and, wow. and, and actually in African <laughs> tribes as well, more robust women were acceptable. If you were too thin, you were starving. You're starving. You were not attractive. Right. You know, that, that I think that theology just, I mean, it goes it, well, it shows your wealth because you can eat. Yeah. <laughs> the Chinese do the same thing. They say, how good was a year? Oh, it was a three chicken year. Not a very good year. Twelve chicken year? Yeah, good year. But I, I do, I, I guess it, something happened within the turn of the century of, you know, the 1890s going to, when you see more advertisements in newspaper and what have you, you know, a certain look and demeanor, which would now fall into all societies of how, you know, a certain presence that you know as a woman you're supposed to look or you know think about those old like uh ads from like the 1900s where they show women like you know with certain types of medications and, oh right, right and right, right, uh right, right. you know sears catalogs and what have you with their hair in a bun uh you know that's what i think of the 1900s when it comes to like this ideal woman right. and if you didn't look like her you ain't shit well but it goes through phases you know in we had twiggy in the 70s so they were super skinny and then in Eat. the early 80s like they got Christy Brinkley. Well, they got bigger boobs, and then they had a sort of a different figure, more of like a porn star figure. And now it went back; it swung back to like the heroin, cheeky, thin, <laughs> thin, thin look with the one who looks like she's always on cocaine. Uh, Kate Moss. Kate Moss, thank you. Um, or she's coming up. She always had like that black eye, dark look yeah. that was like the I like guess that look. ads and the. Ooh. But I wasn't tall like Naomi Campbell either. Oh, so. well. So, anyways, all of these body images that we're sort of everything that we're is thrown at us, like I don't know, sort of shaped us, and so we were part of the the bulimia generations. Where like bulimia I think generation. I think that they um it used to be one out of every four women girls and under the age of four, seventeen or something had an eating disorder, and that's crazy because. And Why that is should that happen happening? in the suburbs too, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I was, I mean, it was that yeah. was absolutely suburban. But it's, I mean, it's that's just what happens when you feed a certain. It's, it's an alternate truth. It's almost like fake news. It's like it believe is, yeah. in this. This is this is what will make you happy. If you're thin enough, boys will like you. And but boys aren't gonna like you if you're running off the bathroom and your breath always smells like vomit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, so this is so this is how you turn to drugs. This is how you turn to drugs. Meth is a quick well, way. It, to here's lose the thing it. I don't understand is that meth people they start losing their teeth. I don't want to kiss anybody who does meth. Yeah, that's that's, that's so sex. gross. I that's will, so gross. I will say this definitely during the height of my cocaine usage in my twenties, um, it really helped. I it kind of cur curbed my bulimia a little bit because it kind of you weren't eating because then you were moving into your anorexia phase but i you know i was kind of go the chris farley route minus the bowl of tubs of ice cream right that's gross i was trying to go the problem was i read that um the carpenters the novel about her karen uh, carpenter karen carpenter and carpenter and one of the things I got from that, I tried to flip over to the anorexia. I just, I love food too much. No. But she would make these skim milk ice cube 
shakes and it was brilliant but um it it didn't have hardly it had like no calories in it but it made people think she was eating so it was ice cubes and skim milk turned into like a smoothie but it's just ice it's just ice and skim milk it's nothing it's like 80 calories it's just not even a thing poor thing she couldn't even throw a strawberry up in there right I know but and that's the thing no, don't throw a strawberry but this is if you if she would have put um, unsweetened cocoa just a little bit it would have been I mean unsweetened cocoa has hardly any calories and it's fat free so she would have had some flavor she would have had some flavor damn Karen that's what I would have done. so but I, I tried to do that for a while I tried to do the Karen Carpenter and drink the ice milk um, stuff and it just I couldn't I needed food I, I just food is great I wanted to eat 12 Krispy Kremes you know food well, is this was before Krispy Kremes yeah, Winchell's Donuts was across the street oh wow do they still have those around I don't know I don't think they have Winchell's anymore yeah well, uh, yeah, I haven't been back to Danville in so long to like, so the the vision of where I used to drive and where my house was and all, it was right next to the high school and all this stuff, like it's all very, still in my brain very clearly, um, but if I went back, I'm sure it would be completely different. Probably. Or not probably. completely different, but still, it feels like Disneyland a, 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 there. Probably a bigger Target in the Olive Garden. Oh no, they don't have any of that. No, oh, no, 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 oh. no. They're not allowed. There was one Burger King in town and that's the only fast food they were allowed to have because because they wanted, even in the 70s, they were like, we don't believe in that. No, no big buildings. No, no Walmart. No Target. That's for San Ramon. Those poor people. We're Danville. Right? <laughs> Only cute, weird candle shops. Fucking. I've never been to Danville. Danville so that's is weird. Man, I'm telling you, I grew up Do you, in the okay, so place. Is Danville kind of conservative or is it so like, conservative ah but they like their candle shops huh well okay so downtown danville's kind of historic and uh because it was really old it was on the iron horse trail which was the original train so danville was like a stop off and there was a hotel and all this stuff and it started burgeoning out and becoming this little community my parents bought a house i think for 32 thousand or something in sycamore in the, like 78 nice. so they were at the very beginning of this sort of housing boom that ended up happening now in Blackhawk was built after that and then Blackhawk houses like started at a million and now they're like multi-million dollar homes it's like Northern California's Beverly Hills ah it's um with candle shops but 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 that's downtown so downtown okay. is like I worked at Yogurt Park it's probably not there anymore and but there was all you know like it's in that little area of cute stuff, which was the like the, plaza the hotel, the Danville Ho- Hotel. It looks like an old building, and there's all these little shops in it, and it's like, you know, it's like Christmas all year long, that kind of bullshit. <laughs> but there was, I mean, even the, I wonder if Primo's Pizza still exists. And it's a walking, you can walk around, and there's like, you know, fucking bougie stores. and Nice. And uh, it, just in this one little downtown area. But I lived like on that road that was right there, so we'd walk up, and... Anyways, Danville's like this very... It sounds like a bubble. Yeah, it's a super bubble. And Well, that was the thing. I thought that because it it was like watching TV, my life was actually like 90210. I had the same outfits. That We had the same... It was like, let's go to coffee and hang out, you know, at the Peach Pit. Like, everyone had money. And it was Did like, let's go to Chino's. Everyone had... I got a Hyundai for my 16th birthday. And people made fun of me because it wasn't like a BMW or a... I mean, I got made fun of because my stuff was great, but not good enough. You know, my, my jeans were Palmetto, not Guess. So I was not good enough. You know, oh, metal was the shit. Well, and that's the, but, but guess not, was better. No. So that's the thing is that 
<laughs> I wanted zippered jeans, but I got zippered jeans with a triangle. But it, because it was palmettos, I was faker and I wasn't real. And you know, like I wasn't. I was. I was rich, but I wasn't rich enough. You know. You weren't gatoddled out enough. I was. Well, I was. I was really into esprit. I'd go into the I city. Too. Hell yeah! Okay. I'd go into the city, and there was an esprit outlet that was um, in the Soma, and uh, we'd go. We'd take the BART and we'd go and, and it was great. Walk. and Everyone was so scared and I was like, okay, whatever. But we'd go to the Esprit outlet and also Jessica McClintock outlet. We'd go there for all my prom dresses. I had some of those dresses Oh, too. yeah. Oh, I had a whole collection. Mm. Um, I think my first communion dress was Jessica McClintock. Mm, yeah, McClintock. Yeah, I loved <laughs> yeah. her. Yeah. Ugh. I even loved, uh, she had some really... I was really into those Laura Ingle Wilder's dresses that kind of came back for yeah, a little bit. I know what you're talking Man, about. Man, I love that shit. Laura Ashley. Oh, love it. Oh, God. Oh, you're give me a bonnet. Dude, ah. you're all that flower shit. Oh, stuff. I love it. Oh, throw me back. That's probably why I did drugs. My well, mom bought me that kind of shit. I, I, I love the Esprit stuff. I believed in all of that stuff. I loved it all. And I, anyways, I thought everybody got that. I just didn't understand that, that I was rich. I didn't know until I was... And that's the thing. I think that kids now don't know that they're, they don't know how well off they are and they just still want more. But, you know, I had the epiphany when I was 16 and I've been like, oh, and it's, well, you know, what's it's not sad all is, about things and stuff. What's sad is, you know, you have, you know, parents will do anything for their kids. So, you know, they'll spoil the hell out of them because the kid wants, there's so much to want nowadays as oh a kid. Oh my God. That's the thing. It's just like, I know there's a lot of things. I was at Bed Bath & Beyond yesterday and I'm like, ooh, there's so many little gadgets that I would like to get in here, but why? I don't need them. I don't, yeah. what's the point? It's too much. It's overwhelming. And I would feel like if I was a kid, I would be overwhelmed. Well, you know? it's about when I see kids with their toys and they have so many of them and it's like they don't know which ones to play with and there's just, there's too many. It's just so silly. I say... I mean, my toys now are like tools. And when I get them, I'm very, I love them and I'm protective of them. I don't have too many. Like, I have my beautiful Miyabi knives. I have, I mean, I have like, I have like chef, real chef quality knives that are like, there you even go. like, they're, chefs, chefs are like, you have Miyabi knives. I'm like, yeah, I got a set. So that's very exciting. I just got that induction burner. Nice. Um, I made some fudge. We should all eat some pot fudge, guys. I ate some. That's why I'm so high right now. <laughs> Um, I made so I'm only well I made caramels because Jonathan's like I really like caramel and I'm like fine I won't I was gonna make only fudge for a whole month and then uh, I was like oh wait that that won't work because Jonathan doesn't like fudge it's so good though I have really? it in my, my backpack out there we'll, we'll, we'll get it do you work later would it, it yeah, would it hurt you it, it's such good fudge yeah I ate just a tiny little bite and I'm, I'm pretty high but I, I will see how long it lasts well you're, you're a chef anyway and you're alright so thank you well, and my new induction burner. Ooh, wow, what a new tool. It is great. <laughs> the only bummer is I am a little bummed. I thought that I would be able to choose my temperature exactly as I wanted. But where I am right now, it, when I click up the levels, it's either 210 or 250. And what I'm looking for normally is 236 or 248. Does it? Uh oh. So I can't use it as a candy thermometer like I was hoping. I still need to get a thermometer. I've been doing everything by eye. I don't own a candy thermometer. So that's. Other it's, chefs would be like, you're an idiot. And I'm like, I know, I do it by eye. I'm like old school. <laughs> but I can tell and I just have to pay attention. And the problem is, I've been. 
I oftentimes err toward making it harder at room temperature. So yesterday I tried to make just caramel sauce with the children that they could dip their apples into. No, uh, no, uh, no, no weed. And I made it a little too hard. It, oh, uh, no. But it was really tasty. Well, it's just because it, it hardened up at room temperature because of the way that I make it because I want it to be hard at room temperature because I'm usually making caramels that you like so bite and eat you know are in there chewy or whatever but we didn't we didn't have a thermometer so we weren't you, at my house you can bake better than me oh, oh, thanks. I know how to cook I made uh, yesterday we're, now we're talking about food I know right <sighs> yeah um, I know AltaCast wherever we're going I had some phyllo dough oh I love that shit and I'm like I need to use this up so I took some vegetables like some uh, peas mushrooms uh what else carrots and spinach and i sauteed them and i put some vegetable broth into it and then i had some uh salmon and i chopped it in there seasoned it and i just put it like layered it on like a phyllo dough yeah it was pretty good i don't know what the fuck to call it um it's kind of like a phyllo pie yeah it's like a uh what would they Exactly. No, they, they. I would say uh, it was almost. Spanakopita. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I didn't. Spanakopita. Yeah, that. Uh, but I didn't roll it like that. Right. I, you made it like a pie. That's yeah. awesome. So that shit was good. I, I you know. A I, salmon pie. I, I ate it. Savory salmon and then pie. And I made arugula with uh, beets and goat cheese. That salad. sounds great. That's how I roll at my house. Oh. How you roll? Uh, I um <laughs> was gonna make my my one of my eleven year old friends. She wanted to learn how to make glaze because she was like, oh, what wow. how, what do you make? What's on the outside of donuts? And I'm like, it's powdered sugar and milk. I said, unless you want it to be on a cookie, then you use um, egg whites, and then it hardens up and it's that stuff you can color and it's royal icing. Anyways, she's like, oh, I want to make I want to make some of that. And so we and she was also eating pizza. I let her just eat the glaze. Anyways, <laughs> she's like, can I put it on the pizza? I'm like, oh no. no. That's gross. I said, the only time we could put that on a pizza is if we made a cookie pizza. So if we made a vanilla cookie and then we put the chocolate chips on top of it and then we spread them out like sauce and then we put like some strawberries and then we put the glaze. I'm like, that's okay. I'm hungry. I'm sorry. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Uh, It's it's a problem. It's it's the weed and the, I mean, the weed food. I've been having a lot of fun with it. But this new, I make fudge is like the way to go because I... It's fudge is so easy to make. Is it with the with the burner? It is because you can't it can't get over two hundred and fifty degrees, so you can't burn it. It's great. I'm not a chocolate lover, but when you do make fudge, I just eat it because I just want to get high. Yeah. I'm well, I can do different flavors. I can make. I made this one. I made last week was it's chocolate um, walnut, and the thing is, it's great at room temperature for a long time. I'm like, yes. Um, so it's chocolate walnut, which is nice. But I can do like. A caramel flavor. I can do caramel nut, or I can do Ooh. pecan. I can do vanilla with love pecan. There's one of the recipes they have in there is like almond and cherry. Um, there's a peanut butter one. So I'm I'm just gonna mess around with all these different flavors of fudge and just put weed in it. She needs to open a business, ladies and gentlemen. I know. I met a girl last night whose boss is friends with Martha Stewart from something. Wow. And I was like. She was, I mean, we were all just drinking and having a good time. I'm not going to get to meet Martha Stewart, but wow, one can dream. And I was just like telling her that if I ever met Martha Stewart, I wouldn't be able to, I'd be crying so much. But I feel like I I was thinking about it as I was talking to this um, girl that I could actually make a really great argument and a good, I could write a good paper um, about Martha Stewart and changing feminism and in revolutionizing feminism um, in the 80s early 90s and even today basically since her since her inception of what she started doing I think that she's she's changed the map 
of of what women have she's made a huge mark and made huge steps forward for us for feminism she's um <laughs> she's a good girl who's gone bad who's been bad but she's still good but no but everyone that's the whole thing is everybody's bad that's the whole thing i know that's, why did they put her in jail because they made her into a scapegoat because they made her into she became a martyr for me i mean she went down for what's been happening what men have been doing in bathrooms doing all, men have been doing all, insider trading and the fact of the matter is people knew that who she was she's martha fucking stewart yeah. she's a powerful woman you know, and they don't like that because she's like, made strides yeah. for feminism. So what do they I, do? I they will, tear her down and they put her in jail and they say, no, no, no. I will agree with that most definitely. Like, I think they target her just because of who she was. And dudes, yo, there's dudes still doing that shit Absolutely, right now. Right you now. know, but they, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. they had to pick somebody. Yeah. Uh, you think all of the shady things that Donald Trump has done, it hasn't been like, it's, there are so many shady things. And why isn't he in jail? And yet Martha Stewart had to spend time because of a $52,000 deal. $52,000. Seriously. You guys she can shit that overnight. out. Absolutely, she could. She and was make something out of they it. They were trying. Yeah, absolutely. They were trying to turn her into. They're going to try to destroy her career, but that bitch came back swinging. Well, she's amazing. It. But and she's even better. But the the point about the feminism is that she took something that women were expected to do and she made it a commodity. She gave it value. She gave it monetary value. It was something that now Julia Child started it. Granted with the she cooking did. but and, and it's not that Martha Stewart invented the Food Network but she did change the face of what women were doing and what homemakers were and what homemaking is and that it's not just putting putting a monetary she was value arts on and it. crafts for grown women right <laughs> exactly but, but it's it's taking that homemaking and it's saying it's an art it's the same thing like stand-up comedy people are starting to recognize it as its own art form that's the thing like even tablescapes are a fucking thing now it's so weird <laughs> but what you can do in the home is considered artistry and it used to be considered women's work and have no monetary value and finally we're able to put societal value on something that was expected. Well, the fact so it moves it from slavery. I'm yeah. Sorry. No, no. I was going to say, like, it, t- you know, it's the thing is, like, she kind of crossed all classes mm-hmm. where, you know, if you can't afford to buy it, let's. She let's did it at Kmart. Yeah. God bless let's, her. Let's make it accessible. Yeah. Do you have some construction paper or scissors and a hot glue gun? Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Absolutely. No, but I mean... No, she's done things out of craft paper, made little weird flowers, and put them on the wall. And yeah. I've seen, her, I've, I, I seen t- I've seen that episode. I love... I, <laughs> I love... But that's the thing. She's so extended to her, her media, her magazines. She is has owned so many magazines. Martha Living. From But from Living to like... There's one of them that's good food and there's she like there and now she has a show with Snoop Dogg oh it's, she's so amazing I just I really and think she hates she, Donald Trump too does she good yeah that I mean she, really she posed with this picture she got in some hot water as the media says uh where she posed with there's a picture with Snoop behind her and a picture of uh President Cheeto behind her and she gave a thumbs up and a middle finger to really the, where yeah. is this picture uh, it's yeah oh my gosh look at up. I think that's yeah. I'm gonna put in Martha. She's been very politically outspoken about it. She's like, I know some of these people. This might hurt my brand, but this is how I feel. This is the new Martha. I'm gonna keep it fucking gangster. Uh, I I I love her. I okay. So oh, I, that's it. That's the first one right there. Yeah. Oh wow. Oh no. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Whose artwork was this? 
I don't recall, but yeah. Oh, I love Martha so much right now. I, I but here she is smiling with him. Yeah, of course, but she... Here, I guess this is her laughing at him? Yeah. That's good. I like it. I mean, let's... Everyone she looks has, great. I like her bell bottles. She looks um, great. Everyone has crossed paths with this man. If you've been in some kind of like in the industry of any sorts, even Snoop or what have you, but the, you don't have to like him just because you've crossed his path. Right. Before. Well, he's going to ask you to do him a favor, probably, and well, have and swear loyalty. Loyalty. Swear Pledge loyalty. Your loyal- Pledge, Pledge your loyalty. Pledge your loyalty to, to my administration. That's. Oh wait. By by the way, did you see that? Uh, Basically, there is a meeting that they all had, the cabinet, his uh, cabinet, and they're all going around the table kissing his ass saying like, oh, Mr. President, we're so glad that you, you know, you are able to get us back to where we need to be, blah, blah, blah. Like they're going to each cabinet member like uh, Rex Tilson and uh, Rince Priebus and... uh, Uncle Ben Carson they're all going around saying how much they admire that's uh, gross it's it was like it kind of that's looked gross. like some kind of dictatorship like right. let, let me kiss your ring kind of table right 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 yeah it was weird oh, you don't think he's trying to turn it into an aristocracy oh, absolutely of course he is the more that you push the people away from the one percent the more what we have is kings and um, he's the He's trying to become the king of he's America. A, he's, a, he's surrounded he's, himself with his lords and ladies, and he's trying to become the king of America. And he's going to take away our liberties. He's going to take away our civil liberties. He's going to take away our ability to family plan. He's going to take away. That's how you enslave a woman: is you saddle her with a baby so that she can't have the freedom over her own life. But here's the thing: why won't they let us have the freedom over our own life? What are we doing that's so wrong? Free speech, having fun, giving life. Huh? I mean. I don't understand. Because I'm a because terrible men, American. Because, because men I don't have always enough. been threatened by how powerful women are and can be. If you give us a chance, we could dominate the world. But that is very scary. Scary because men know how much stronger we are. We give life for Pete's sakes. Yeah. You know, we're in pain for hours and days on end. Every every once a month, we have to be in pain. You know, we are. But um, just, just so you know, Mike Pence knows uh, and believes that that's the curse that God put upon us because we are the original sinners. So we were cursed with painful childbirth, uh, and and using using drugs during childbirth, of course, would be terrible because the woman needs to experience the pain to understand the original sin that she committed, and that she will always never be good enough. You'll never be good enough. You're welcome. But that- we'll we'll never be good enough. Because uh, we're women. Well, absolutely. But that, again, men, I think some men do know how powerful women are. And that's what's, I really feel like, you know, I don't know, these bitches, they're pretty strong and they're pretty smart too. Let's keep them down like we're supposed to. And then, and then the list goes down or goes on to let's see how many people we can keep down and oppress. Oppression. Oh, oppression. Ooh, yeah. Tastes good. Smells good. uh, So we only did one Drug Policy Alliance story, but that's okay. There's not a lot of fun drug news this week. So we're going to move on to the Gnarl Pro-Choice America Minute. And uh, 
So Gnarl Pro-Choice America campaigns to stop Karen Handel. Hey, great. Women are against women's rights. Isn't that fun? <laughs> Isn't that fun that there's not enough of us in government anyways to be representative of our of our 51% of what we are as, as uh, in the United States of America? But not only that, women who are representing us in uh, our governmental stations are fighting against us. Yay. Yay. I like those bitches. Karen Handel is so obsessed with banning abortion and defunding Planned Parenthood that she wrote an entire book about it. She used her position as top executive at Susan G. Komen for The Cure to try to take away funding for cancer screenings at Planned Parenthood, sparking a massive backlash that forced her to resign. And now she wants to be in the U.S. Congress? No way! Polls say this race is incredibly close. Now Pro-Choice America is doing everything we can to turn out pro-choice voters on Election Day and keep Karen Handel far away from Congress. We're contacting voters, sending mailers, buying ads, and doing everything we can to let the people of Georgia's 6th Congressional District know Handel's anti-woman record right up until June 20th. Karen Handel put opposing abortion above life-saving cancer prevention. Oh, uh, I know who this bitch is. Right? Should we listen to one of these? Uh, yeah, she's also the same bitch that said that people don't deserve a higher minimum wage in her uh, district. Well, if we could value work equally, then we, it wouldn't be a problem. It, I just Nothing makes me more angry than people who don't get paid for work, don't get paid what they're worth because it's manual labor. And they say, well... It's some. We're somehow better. Our work is somehow better than your work. Fuck you. You know, like that's why minimum wage needs to be raised. Is that work needs to be valued? And and uh, uh, I'm sorry. I get into my communism stuff. This is Karen Handel. Karen. Uh, Karen Handel. Too extreme for Georgia. We're gonna listen to this. Here on Muni Radio. 44,000 women die from breast and cervical cancer each year. So why did Karen Handel decide to focus on her personal opposition to abortion, even when it meant our mothers, sisters, and daughters might die of breast cancer? Handel's push to eliminate life-saving cancer screenings risked lives. With a history of dangerous decisions, we can't trust Karen Handel to look after Georgia's best interests. Karen Handel is too extreme for Georgia. Too extreme for Georgia. Wait, here we try this one. Okay. Here's another one. This is the second one. 44,000 women die from Oh, this is just a 15-second one. Sorry about that. Well, there we go. Screw this bitch. Karen handle. Uh, Karen, I can't handle it. Karen, I cannot handle it. Uh, let me handle my own uterus. Thank you very much. Uh, there's a PDF too that they say it doesn't. Karen hand, handle no mammograms save lives. Karen handle eliminated Planned Parenthood funding for breast cancer screening. So they're sending these in the mail, which is great. Uh, leaving people vulnerable. Da, 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 da. Well, there we go. Hey, so yeah, they never talk about you know mammograms you know that's what uh, god we go through this every freaking time about how like Planned Parenthood is just a target toward women's health period right has nothing to do with not all Planned Parenthoods have uh, do abortions. Yeah. That's the thing. It's just yeah. like, no, these are places where you get cancer screened, your pap well, smear. Planned Parenthood uh, is a is specifically about women's reproductive health. Health, I mean, health, health. in general, but yeah. reprodu- and, and our reproductive system 
is weird and funky and wacky and we need doctors and we need access and sometimes it smells funny and then there's weird yeasts because we're eating weird food because they never Not give all us of good us food. have the luxury to go to Kaiser right. or have a Kaiser insurance exactly. anymore. Or Sad. the access for, for, young, for girls who uh, maybe their family situation is such that they don't feel comfortable talking with their parents and they need to keep themselves safe. Thank you, Planned Parenthood. Yeah, that's actually a place where I remember even myself when I was a young girl starting um, you know, getting my menstrual, I would get free um, tampons and stuff. That's great. You know, stuff like that. So I don't yeah. bleed all over the place. Right. I know. And, and um, paper is expensive. Uh, here <laughs> is another gnarl update. Uh, this is gnarl pro-choice America and gnarl pro-choice Virginia strongly backed Northam were one of the first groups to endorse this campaign. Uh, oh, governor of Virginia. This is nice. Uh, tonight, Narl Pro-Choice America and Narl Pro-Choice Virginia congratulated Lieutenant Governor Ralph Northam on his win in the Democratic primary for Governor of Virginia. Virginia voters have delivered a strong message in support of women, families, and our shared progressive values. Narl members have been proud to stand with Ralph's campaign since the very beginning. Blah, 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 blah. What did he... Uh, Virginians don't want an extreme anti-choice conservative making decisions about their personal health care decisions and undoing all of the progress we've made over the last four years in this commonwealth. We will not go backward. Yay! Uh... Fantastic. So don't. Uh, let's move forward. Let's move forward and keep access to women's uh, reproductive health. That's how you make America great again. Absolutely. That's how you Less make America children. great again. Thank you. <laughs> no kidding. Well, uh, unwanted children, that is. <laughs> exactly. And I have a, I actually have a, a comedy show coming up called Making Feminism Great Again. You should be on that one. Uh, at, I the, will. at the end of, it's going to be on the, at the end of July. So that's going to be a lot of fun, making feminism great again. Oh, yeah. yeah. Making it taste good again. And feminism is not just Kim Kardashian shit, okay? Kim Kardashian's a, a feminist? <sighs> she calls herself one. I, she wears too much makeup to be a feminist. I, I don't She agree. conforms too much to societal norms of okay, beauty. Okay, I don't, I don't think her wearing too, makeup has nothing to do with it. it I think it does. the fact, I, I, see, I don't, because I, I call myself a feminist, and no, you and should see. No, but you're, and I know, but it's, she's. I mean, but I think, I don't think she, to me, she doesn't, what I mean by she should she shouldn't call herself a feminist just okay i get it you love your body but there becomes a part where it just becomes egotistical mm. um and i don't see her out on the front line really sure. other than instagram that's what i mean <laughs> by that and you know i mean you honestly i mean for real she should read a book about it and, <laughs> and maybe she maybe if she gets some you know get get some knowledge i think she should she could call herself that but just because you post things and you know you, you're you know taking your body back and i i get it but I, you just had to come. Some, you got to come with something. I, else I should better. send her. I should send her my one of my books. I have postmodern uh, black feminism. Yeah, in I my, mean, in my library, and I've read it a couple times, and it is. It was really eye opening. So she. It yeah. is really eye opening that and it, black, what black women have been through. And what they continue to... Go, I mean, it was that... And it was brought up actually by... So the Bill Maher thing happened. Yeah. And then Ice, Ice, he, Cube. Ice Cube came back. 
And there was another woman on the show. Oh, that was a Simone. Oh, I love her. And she uh, was amazing. And she was totally amazing. And she she broke down what the house uh, nigga thing meant. Right. And what it meant to women. Yes. That they were the ones, if you were light skinned, then you were, uh, you know, ritually abused, basically, sexually right. and, and emotionally. And, and, yeah. Right, and that was part of your, you know, that's part your of the job or you're part of your slavery and so she's she i like what she said she came out and she said you would have been the master yeah you know <laughs> yeah exactly and, and that's and that's the truth and the yeah. thing is it's like you know we as black women have we still go through it we still have that slave master mentality within our community but mm-hmm. especially with black i know from being a black woman we definitely have it and when it comes to our hair um when it comes to you know how we we have an issue with the light dark thing in our community that sure. house nigga filled nigga thing but that, that's high yellows yeah, yeah. <laughs> um that's something Octoroon. that we have to do deal with yeah Octoroon. it's a weird word yeah it sounds Octoroon. like pantaloon Octoroon. i i was called high yellow or red bone oh uh, what's that a reference to red bone you, you know it's just another analogy for light skin high yellow oh, okay um, I thought maybe it had something to do with um, why is the red man red? <laughs> is it like a Native American black thing? Like a red bone yeah. would be like half Native American, yeah, half black person? So, something like that to yeah. that stature. But okay. I mean, it's still, you know, it resonates with us every day. And I, I to me, I feel there are more black feminists out there than they are white feminists because to me some white feminists and that includes Gloria Steinem herself have come through a life of privilege and who you know yes they were you know you know they were basically what's the word I'm looking for they could not work at different jobs. They they had this certain lifestyle that they had to live in. They needed to stay in their place. As for the the black women, we had to stay in a lot of different places. Right. So it was subject. So women. So when the when the rich white ladies came in, who uh, so they were like, we're being subjugated. We're being subjugated. And the black feminists are like, we're well, like subjugated cubed. We're okay. like subjugated. <laughs> it's, it's we're just like, like subjugated, and then we're subjugated as women, and then we're subjugated because of the color of our skin. skin. And, and yeah. So it's like, and it's so it's like a square. And it's then like a and then and then we can start with like you know subjugated because of uh, of classism within sure. our people. Or there is also the skin tone thing, like that I just right. mentioned, sure. and it's so on and so on. So the subject subject subjugation goes from different goes levels, down and down and down. Yeah. yeah, and you know the thing is, it's just like yes, we do need our fellow women to come together, but we also need to realize there are different types of feminism, and white feminism is yes very important, but there's been a privilege behind that that you can fall back on. And the other thing is that feminism, there's a certain sect of it that's so impossible to understand. The, The language of it is so esoteric and based on education that it almost discludes other people who aren't don't have that like access um, to really yes. stringent education in many many years so it's not like you can be a feminist and you don't have to read this paper that you know uh this, some of the this thesis the thesis thesis you know that there's so many papers it's hard to, but we can understand feminism because we're women it's like we get it yeah it's basically defining the subjugation and why and how you feel that and recognizing it and saying look these people look men look rich men look looks this particular strata we're 
we've been subjugated for this long because of this. I know you didn't realize it. I mean, people, women weren't even having orgasms. I mean, and, and, and that's another see, and that's another thing that plays into part like sexual women, revolution, se- you know, the sexual revolution, which there really wasn't a revolution for women uh, during that time. I don't. I think that sexual re- revolution was just like, oh well, I'm just gonna have sex with someone outside that I'm not gonna marry. That's right. not a revolution to me. That's just called just having sex with someone that you just don't want to marry. Right. That that should be normal. Uh, that's no revolution. Now coming now to the forefront of where we are in 2017 with sexuality now we need to i'm not saying we need to tone it back but this is where feminism is getting tricked in into just like raunchiness of like right, i'm a right, feminist right, right. And, and to me like a feminist slut yeah right feminism is another thing for or being sexually liberated is another it's, you know, it's, euphemism for slut this is going back to the kim kardashian thing this is going back to the kim kardashian I, I appreciate, you know, the fact that she's out there and she, you know, doesn't give a rat's ass. But this is where the part where it's just like, okay, feminism is just not about sex. Right. That's where I'm, you know, yes. And it's still taboo, you know, our sexuality and our orgasms and what we have to do to get there. It's still a slightly taboo subject, but we're getting there. We're getting there. But here's the thing. Let's sex it's okay so it forces us into a dichotomy it says that if you're a feminist then you're a slut but then also Kim Kardashian gets famous because she makes a sex tape so it's like you call that feminism right that's where I'm like it's a weird circle where we don't want we want to be liberated but part of being liberated is not being called a slut for having our own sexuality but then if we're not this, well, I mean, my, big, my, my thing, thing is like I, I I don't mind being called a slut because I used to call them, I used to hoe it out, but that wasn't me. To me, that was part of my feminism, but I wasn't putting my shit out there either all the time. You know, I wasn't plugging to everybody or taking my clothes off or what have mm-hmm. you. You know, I I feel like people don't know what the definition of feminism is anymore, and a lot of people, especially celebrities now, take their clothes off and call it feminism, and that's not what feminism sure. is. You know, I think it's what pop culture is trying to teach the new generation. Madonna was more of a feminist to me. Madonna's a super feminist. And the reason why, and she took her, you know what, that like a virgin, like performance that she did in the 80s, is groundbreaking because you saw her like on all fours and doing things and taking back her body. Well, she was also rebelling against the Catholic Church because she was raised so Catholic. Absolutely. So she had she had a bone to pick with the, sort of that that Catholic Catholic construct. So it, I appreciate absolutely. that. Yeah, too. exactly. But it wasn't constant like when she was taking her clothes off she was at least making a statement while doing it rather than just like I'm just going to take my clothes off and show some titty here's a here's a this is a total we're going to take the train to a different track quickly back to the bulimia Uh, Marilyn Monroe so I was talking with one of my small children friends Uh and they said something and I said oh like like Marilyn Monroe and or she said like Marilyn Monroe and I was like oh yeah well she was she she had a kind of a buxom body and plus size she was a little more plus size but they had, somehow she had brought up eating disorders or something. And I said, oh, Marilyn Monroe had an eating disorder. And she's like, what? It's like, yeah, she um, she loved enemas. So she would eat and eat and eat and eat. And then she'd, she'd have like two or three enemas a day. And what? she was just flushing herself out. So she wouldn't, that's how she looked the way she did. And 
kind of ate the way she wanted. It was a different sort of bulimia. It's like the wow. people who do their bulimia is using um, diuretics. So they like not dianetics, but diuretics. Like when they eat, you know, they make they make it all come out their pooper. Oh, but she my gosh. did it with enemas. Yeah, interesting, right? Wow, she still had a body karate though too. <laughs> right, but she had she was she was really 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 self conscious about her body. I, I believe it. You know, I believe that, oh, especially at her time. Ugh. But she was All considered one of the hottest women in the whole world ever. One of the most beautiful women. still was women. not happy. Yeah, and still, still, still was Still overdosed happy. and was found dead in a pool. Damn. Oh, it was in the, wasn't it the bathtub? Bathroom? The bathtub? Or I thought it was I a think pool. It was a, I thought it was a bathroom. Let's look it up. No. But, I mean... I'm just, you know, I I think that kind of like what killed her too. All the pressure that she had and how how perfect she had to be. She was so pretty. I mean, look at that picture. She was so amazing looking. Like, Yeah, she was gorgeous. She had some nice But she also has that sort of like, I'm dumb and put your dick in my lips kind of thing, you know, that was like... Mr. President. Oh, yeah, Mr. President. Still Life and Essay by Gloria Steinem on Marilyn Monroe. That's interesting. Um, st- Still Life and Essay by Gloria Steinem. This was from 2006. Uh, it's been near a quarter of a century since the death of a minor American actress named Marilyn Monroe. There's no reason for her to be part of my consciousness as I walk down Midtown New York Street filled with color and action and life. Sure, she should be in your gestalt. Um... In a shop window display of a white summer dresses, I see several huge photographs, a life-size cutout of Marilyn standing in a white halter dress, some close-up of her vulnerable, please love me smile, <laughs> but they don't look dated. Oddly, Marilyn seems to be just as much a part of this street scene as the neighboring images of models who could now be her daughters, even her granddaughters. I walk another block and pass a record store finding the hit album hit albums of a rock star named Madonna. She has imitated Marilyn Monroe's hair, style, and clothes, but subtracted her vulnerability. Instead of offering seduction to offer men whatever they want, Madonna uses it to get what she wants, a 1980s difference that has made her the idol of teenage girls. Nevertheless, her international symbols of femaleness are pure Marilyn. A few doors away, a bookstore displays two volumes on Marilyn Monroe in its well-stocked window. The first is nothing but random photographs and one of many such collections that have been published over the years. The second is of several recent exposés on the circumstances surrounding Monroe's 1962 death from an accidental or purposeful overdose of sleeping pills. Could organized crime, Jimmy Hoffa in particular, have planned to use her friendship with the Kennedys and her suicide could Hoffa and his friends have even caused that suicide in order to embarrass or blackmail Robert Kennedy, who was definitely a mafia enemy and probably her lover? Only a few months ago, Marilyn Monroe's name made international headlines again when a British television documentary on this conspiracy theory was shown and a network documentary made the United States was suppressed with potential pressure from crime-controlled unions or the late Robert Kennedy's family as rumored reasons. This is from 2006. Damn. Um, I knew I belonged to the public and to the world, not because I was talented or even beautiful, but because I never had belonged to anything or anyone else from mm. the unfinished biography of Marilyn Monroe. That's very sad. That's fucking sad. As I turn the corner into my neighborhood, I pass a newsstand where the face of more young Marilyn Monroe lookalike stares up at me from a glossy magazine cover. She is Kate Mailer, Norman Mailer's daughter, who was born the year Marilyn Monroe died. Now she is starring in Strawhead, a memory play 
play about Monroe, written by Norman Mailer, who was so obsessed with his long-dead sex goddess that he had written one long biography and another work, half-fact, half-fiction about her, even before casting his daughter in the part. The next morning, I turn on a television and see a promotion for her show on a film on film director Billy Wilder. The only clip chosen to attract viewers and represent Wilder's eccentric career is one of Marilyn Monroe singing a few breathless bars in Some Like It Hot, one of two films they made together. These are everyday signs of a unique longevity. If you add her years of movie stardom to the years since her death, Marilyn has been part of our lives and imaginations for nearly four decades. That's a very long time for one celebrity to survive in a throwaway culture. In the 1930s, when English critic Cyril Colony, Connolly proposed a definition of posterity to measure whether a writer's work had stood the test of time, he suggested that posterity should be limited to 10 years. The form and content of popular culture were changing too fast, he explained, to make any artist accountable for more than a decade. Huh. Since then, the pace of things has been accelerated even more. Everything from communication revolution to multinational entertainment has altered has altered the form of culture. Its content has been transformed by civil rights, feminism, an end to film censorship, and much more. Nonetheless, Monroe's personality and intimate ability to inhabit our fantasies has gone right on. As I write this, she is still better known than most living movie stars, most world leaders, and most television personalities. The surprise is that she rarely has been taken seriously enough for us to ask why that is so. One simple reason for her life story's endurance is the premature end of it. Personalities and narratives projected onto the screen of our imaginations are far more haunting and even more likely to be the stuff of conspiracies and conjecture if they had not been allowed to play themselves out to their logical or illogical ends. James Dean's brief life is subject of a cult, but the completed lives of such outsiders as Gary Koopa Cooper or Henry Fonda are not. Each day in the brief Camelot of John Kennedy inspires as much speculation as each year in the long New Deal of Franklin Roosevelt. A few years of Charlie Bird Parker's music inspire graffiti, Bird Lives, but the many musical years of Duke Ellington do not. Hmm. <coughs> While the past dies, there is a mourning, but when the future dies, our imaginations are compelled to carry it on. Hence Nirvana. Uh, hence, uh, you know, Kurt Cobain. He'll live as long as Marilyn Monroe, right? Probably. Probably, yeah. Tupac. Janis Joplin, same thing. Tupac. Biggie. Biggie, not so much. Really? Tupac, I would say, I would say, like Janis Joplin, maybe not so much as Jimi Hendrix, but I all the 27, there. the doors, the, of the Jim club Morrison. 27, you know? Yeah. Oh, I think Jimmy, Jimmy's up there. Yeah. I think he's with them, actually. Totally. All together, yeah. yeah. And, and um, now we got Prince and David Bowie. Well, uh, but they're, but they're longevity. I mean, yeah. So that's so that's the question. Will Amy Winehouse's Amy, yeah. the future of what didn't happen? Will she outlive Bowie? I don't think so, but that could happen in twenty years. I don't know. Um, where were we here? Blah blah blah. Would Marilyn Monroe have become the serious actress she aspired to be? Could she have survived the transition from sex goddess to mortal woman that aging would impose? Could she have stopped her disastrous marriages to men whose images she wanted to absorb? Beloved American DiMaggio, serious intellectual Miller, and found a partner who loved and understood her as she really was? Could she have 
kicked the life-wasting habits of addiction and procrastination? Would she have adopted children, found support in the growing strength of women, or been threatened by it, entered the world of learning, or continued to be ridiculed for trying, survived and even enjoyed the age of 60 she now would be? Uh, and most important, would she finally have escaped? She'd be 70 something now. Yeah. Would she finally have escaped her lifetime combination of two parts talent, one part victim, and one part joke? Would she have been taken seriously as she had so badly wanted to be? We will never know. Every question is as haunting as any of its possible answers. But the poignancy of the incompleteness is not enough to explain Marilyn Monroe's enduring power. Even among brief political lives, few become parables. Those that endure seem to hook into our deepest emotions of hope or fear, dream or nightmare of what our own fates might be. Successful leaders also fall into one group or the other. Those who invoke a threatening future and promise disaster unless we obey and those who conjure up a hopeful future and promise reward if we will follow. <gasps> this was written in 2006. This was near the, near the, this was the end of uh, Bush. This is really interesting because it sounds just like today, doesn't it? Jesus um, Christ. Those who, because this is those who invoke a threatening future and promise disaster unless we obey, forty-five, uh-huh. and those who conjure up a hopeful future and promise reward if we will follow, Bernie. Uh, <laughs> it's this power of either fear or hope that makes a personal legend survive. From the fearsome extreme of Adolf Hitler, did he really escape? Might he have lived in the jungles of South America? <laughs> to the hopeful myth of Zapata waiting in the hills of Mexico to rescue his people, is the same true? The same is true for enduring fictions of popular culture from the frightening villain to the hopeful hero each whom is reincarnated again and again in an intimate way during her brief life Marilyn Monroe hooked into both those extremes of emotion she personified many of the secret hopes of men and many secret fears of women to men wrote Norman Mailer her image was gorgeous forgiving humorous compliant and tender she would ask no price she was the child woman who offered pleasure without adult challenge a lover who neither judged nor asked anything in return both the roles she played and her own public image embodied a masculine hope for a woman who is innocent and sensuously sensuously experienced at the same time in fact as Marilyn said toward the end of her career my popularity seems almost entirely a masculine phenomenon it's mm. because she was this victimy beautiful she, not I mean dumb blonde yeah like did, who didn't ask for it and who's still humorous about it since most men have experienced female power only in their childhoods they associated it with the time they themselves were powerless this will continue as long as children are raised almost totally by women and rarely see women in authority outside the home that's why male adults and sometimes females too experience the presence of a strong woman as dangerous regression to a time of their own vulnerability independence wow for men especially who are trained to measure manhood and maturity by their distance from the world of women being forced back into that world for female companionship may be threatening indeed a compliant woman child like Monroe solves this dilemma by offering sex without the power of an adult woman much less that of an equal as a child herself she allows men to feel both conquering and protective to be both dominating and admirable at the same time oh I hate that image that she portrayed for women Monroe embodies kinds of fear that 
are just as basic as the hope she offered for men. The fear of sexual competitor who could take away men on whom women's identities and even livelihoods might depend. The fear of having to meet her impossible standard of always giving and asking nothing in return. The nagging fear that we must share her feminine fate of being vulnerable, unserious, constantly in danger of becoming a victim. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. Uh, aside from her beautiful face, which women envied, she was nothing like the female stars that women moviegoers had made popular. Those stars offered at least the illusion of being in control of their fate and perhaps having an effect on the world. Stars of the classic women's movies were actresses like Betty Davis, Catherine who, Hepburn. Mm, who made her impact by sheer force of emotion or Catherine Hepburn, who was always intelligent and never victimized for long, <laughs> or even Doris Day, who charmed the world into conforming to her own virginal standards. Their figures were admirable and neat, but not with the vulnerability of the big-breasted woman in society that regresses men and keeps them obsessed with the maternal symbol of breasts and hips. Watching Monroe was quite different. Women were forced to worry of her vulnerability and thus their own. They might feel like a black moviegoer watching a black actor play a role that was too passive, too obedient, or a Jew watching a Jewish character who was selfish and avarice. In spite of some extra magic, some face-saving sincerity and humor, Marilyn Monroe was still close to the humiliating stereotype of a dumb blonde, depersonalized, sexual, even a joke. Yet few women yet had the self-respect to object to object on behalf of their sex as one would object on behalf of race or religion they might they still might be feeling a little humiliated or threatened without knowing why I have always had a talent for irritating women since I was 14, Marilyn wrote in her unfinished autobiography. Sometimes I've been to a party where no one spoke to me for the whole evening. The men, frightened by their wives or sweeties, would give me wide berth, and the ladies would gang up in a corner to discuss my dangerous character. Well, poor Marilyn. But all of that was before her death and revelations surrounding it. The moment she was gone, Monroe's vulnerability was no longer just a turn-on for men and an embarrassment for many women. It was a tragedy. Whether that final overdose was suicide or not, both men and women were forced to recognize the insecurity and private terrors that had caused her to attempt suicide several times before. Men who had never known known her wondered if their love and protection might have saved her women who had never known her wondered if their empathy and friendship might have done the same for both men and women the ghost of Marilyn came to embody a particularly powerful form of hope the rescue fantasy not only did we imagine a happier ending for the parable of Marilyn Monroe's life but also fantasized ourselves as saviors who could have brought about it Still, women didn't seem quite as comfortable about going public with their rescue fantasies as men did. It meant admitting to an identity with a woman who was who always had been a little embarrassing and who had now turned out to be doomed as well. Nearly all of the journalistic eulogies that followed Monroe's death were written by men. So almost all of the nearly 40 books that have been published about Monroe bias in the mind of editors played a role too consciously or not they seem to assume that only male journalists would write about a sex goddess how much more is this this is just too long she's she's really verbose 
Uh, I'm going to cut to the end because it's uh, Gloria Steinem. Boy, you can really go on. <laughs> I mean, it's a good paper, but... No, it is. I'm uh, actually enjoying it. The self, I see the self-consciousness with which she posed for a camera. It makes me remember my own teenage discomfort at seeing her on the screen, mincing and whispering and simply hoping her way into love and approval. By holding a mirror to the exaggerated ways in which female human beings are trained to act, she could be seen as embarrassing and as sad and revealing as a female impersonator. Yet now I also see the why of it and the woman behind the mask of that her self-consciousness creates. I still feel worried about her just as I did then. There's something especially vulnerable about big-breasted women in this world of concerned with... Uh, in this world concerned with such bodies, but unconcerned with the real person within. We may envy these women a little, yet we feel protective of them as well. But in these photographs, the body emphasis seems more the habit of a former self. It's her face we look at. Now that we know the end of the story, it's the real woman we hope to find looking out from the eyes of Marilyn. In the last interview before her death, close to the time of these photographs, Patricia Newcomb, her friend and press secretary, remembers that Marilyn pleaded unsuccessfully with reporter to end the article like this. What I really want to say that the world really needs that what the world really needs is a real feeling of kinship. Everybody, stars, laborers, negroes, Jews, Arabs, we are all brothers. Please don't make me a joke. End the interview with what I believe. Whoa. Wow. wow. What I really wanted to say that the that it's she has I don't know how she that what the world really needs is a real feeling of kinship. Everybody, stars, laborers, Negroes, Jews, Arabs, we are all brothers. Please don't make me a joke. End the interview with what I believe. There's me trying to do a Marilyn voice. That was pretty good. Uh, so the photographs wow. of Marilyn, we can look at really quickly. Why not? This, so this was the Marilyn Monroe Still Life and Essay by Gloria Steinem. So she wrote this big old wow. thing, and then now, um, even changing her persona from Norma Jean to Marilyn, right? There are two different people. Yeah, this was from. Um, this is crazy. This was from PBS. So that's that's really neat. Thank you, PBS. Two thousand six. You. Your funding got cut. Did they? Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, of course they did. But it, I mean, she's so, oh, here's a picture. Look how beautiful she was. I mean, she had those huge boobs. She, she does look vulnerable. But, and you know what though? I mean, I wish we could have a sex symbol like this again. Her arms look like mine. They're not like skinny girl arms. They're like, she looks like a real lady. Like I'm, her body's like a real body, uh, which I appreciate. So I, I pay it, but I agree with Gloria too that it, when it something ends so soon, that then we be, then we make up the future of what it would have been, and then we feel so sad about it. Yeah, that's what we've done with, like you said, the the whole uh, Kurt Cobain, Kurt Cobain, and mm. Jimi Hendrix, and Janis Joplin, and mm. uh, Jim Morrison. Yep. They're still idolized to this very day. Absolutely. Um, Amy Tupac, Winehouse Tupac. will be in that group someday. Tupac was he twenty seven? He was. Uh, How old was he? I think he was 26. If he was, because if he was 27, that's crazy. He died in 96. I mean, they just did a a Tupac movie that just came out. So, and he died 20 years ago. Wow. Yeah. Or 20, 21 years ago. 
So he, oh, he's 25. Oh, what a shame he was! Didn't even make the 27 cutoff. Oh, oh he was such a great poet too. Yeah. You know, did yeah. he grow up in Murray? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Oakland. Oakland. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that that article was really on point. Gloria Steinem. Gloria. Well, you brought her up. It's funny that you kind of came yeah. full circle on that today with with Gloria. I mean that, but that was an understandable article that she wrote. She didn't absolutely. use hoity-toity, floydy language. No, it was totally understandable. I totally got it. I got. I, mean, I bet you, if you pass that article to a lot of women, they probably wouldn't understand though what that really? article meant. I, I think a lot of women have. Mm, I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say yeah, wait, it. Wait, anyway. wait, come I, on, it's the AltaCast. Yeah, uh, I just feel like a lot of women out there are so obsessed with pop culture that this is probably too intellectual for mm. them to understand. I think a huh. lot of women have become one-dimensional. Hence the word feminism. Like people are just throwing that around. Oh, that word right, right, right. And, it, and, I, and I made a joke about it. It's a new joke where I open it and I say, I, you know, I don't want to call myself a feminist. I hate that. But it's because no one wants to call themselves a feminist right now. No. Or if they It's do, like a bad word. Or if they do call themselves a feminist, they're using the definition completely wrong. Right. Exactly. You know. It's about like even uh, Ivanka uh, Trump oh, she's has called the herself. Worst. I'm like you are, you are far from one sweetheart. She's a slave owner. Just, where's her Where's her clothing uh, China. label made China. in China. China? How many dead Chinese babies are you know because of your clothing? She don't care. She don't give a fuck. I mean, but the thing is, just like you know that that's what I'm saying. People are throwing the word feminist around. I'm like, you don't know what the definition is. So yeah. it's either a bad word. Or it's a word that people need to look up in the dictionary again. Seriously. Taking your clothes off and post it on Instagram is not feminism. Well, you know, it... I think that it can be It can be but if, it's not If you've had like a double mastectomy Like let's say that you had your boobies chopped off Because of a cancer thing And then you take that, really cool naked pictures And put them online That's, that's feminism complete, That's completely different You know what I'm talking about Glossing yeah. your body out with some oils and shit Right exactly And spreading your legs open And be like this is feminism I'm like no bitch It's just somebody posing half ass naked now, on Instagram If you decided And that's cool too If but, you had If you grown your bush out and it was super big and I mean I could be down with uh, I would say a feminist thing would be looking at a bunch of different pictures of vaginas and just having them and, be, and, and looking at them. Different and, styles, different colors, different textures, different, right. different hairs so that we could see that like not all of them look like porn stars. Not all of them are bleached. Why well, mine is dark and purple with age? It's fine. It's all hairy. It's like scary, but it's not scary. It's beautiful. And and I would say that that would be feminism if you were able to take twelve different unique and I would beautiful vaginas, buy that and put it together, and maybe make some weird collage out of it. Now well, that I would say would be a feminist piece of artwork. Well, because a lot of people are afraid of hair. Wait, wait. <laughs> and, 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 and but of our own like, bodies. That's a part of feminism. Yeah, why? Why do we have to augment our own? We're shaming our own bodies. This is how our bodies grow. And, and yet we have to shave everything and we have to make we have to infantilize our vaginas so that men will want to have sex with us what infantilizing you gross motherfuckers I feel guilty about wanting to masturbate to Stephen Curry when he's 24 because and you want to infantilize us and and and, and fuck our weird little pink vaginas that are that are dyed with special bleach That's and that are that are zipped into some strange configuration of fur I uh, by the way do you know who Amber Rose is no I don't know oh okay well 
She is. Uh, you should look her up because there's been this blog going around. She posted a picture. She posts stuff on Instagram all the time, and she's Kanye West's ex, but she's made a name for herself. She um, nice shaved head. She got yeah, cancer. She, she's, or just no, no. That's just her look. That's the look. That's just um, a look. So basically, she got into. She posts this picture on Instagram. Slut shames her on Twitter. Is this what this is about? The there's yeah. Amber Rose owns owns Piers Morgan after he slut shames her on Twitter. Read about his this. sexist comments are further proof That's that Rose. Uh, here we'll, we'll we'll just listen to it because we can do that because we are fancy like that. Uh, no, I, I switched already. It's four. At some point during game four of the NBA Finals, Amber Rose began trending on Twitter for what turned out to be a very good reason. Rose drew attention away from the Cavs and Warriors game by posting a bottomless photo of herself with the caption, hashtag Amber Rose Slutwalk. The very, very not safe for work photo isn't the first time Rose has used the female form to promote awareness. And as the caption suggests, Rose was referencing her upcoming third annual Amber Rose Slutwalk Festival, which is scheduled for October 1st, 2017 in LA. The unedited version is still up on her Twitter page, alongside a link with more details about the slut walk. Instagram, on the other hand, has since removed the photo, but the unedited version of the pic is still up on Twitter. In the meantime, she's also responded to Instagram's removal of the photo. When IG deletes your fire-ass feminist post, but you really don't give a fuck because everyone picked it up already. Rose wrote that in a subsequent selfie post, which has used the hashtags Amber Rose Slut Walk and Bring Back the Bush. Rose began the slut walk in 2015, and the practice has already picked up steam as a means to raise awareness to issues such as victim blaming, reproductive rights, and what is commonly referred to as slut shaming. The practice of slut walks is largely credited to Heather Jarvis and Sonia J.F. Barnett after a police officer at Toronto's York University told women to avoid dressing like sluts to curb sexual assault in 2011. Wow. Rose told Complex in a 2015 profile leading up to the inaugural slut walk, I thought, this is almost everything that I've ever been through or deal with every single day. I should have my own slut walk. Rose and the Slut Walk Festival organizers have described the upcoming gathering as a zero tolerance event and we do not condone hateful language, racism, sexism, ableism, fat shaming, transphobia, or any other bigotry. For more information on the Amber Rose Slut Walk Festival, visit AmberRoseSlutWalk.com. I love fat shaming. Ah. Uh, I'm trying to help you be healthy. <laughs> That's true. Uh, but okay, so so she's a feminist. I get it. Uh, uh, but um, so basically, the picture. Yeah, the, the picture. Yeah. Oh wait, there we go. Hey, uh, she's got bush. That's nice. She looked pretty right. There. Well, and it's but, interesting. She's her. She's her, her. This part of her body is really skinny, and this part is really. This is where she has a really hourglass figure. That's nice. She has a bush. My bush is like way bushier than that. Wow. But so. She gets into it with Pierce Morgan. Who yeah, says, he says, put it away, love. Thanks. This is what Emmeline Pankhurst fought so hard for. Jeez. If famous men started posting naked photos to social media claiming it was to promote male empowerment, they'd be jailed. Uh, and then she wrote, hashtag, I'll take things misogynistic assholes say for 500, Alex. That's very <laughs> funny. Nude? Where? My breasts nor my vagina was showing and my legs were closed. That's true. Very true. Very true. Um, and then she said, I'm assuming you're referring to the pubic hair that was shown in the picture. Uncomfortable? Get over it. LOL, you are an idiot. You were the f- Your first tweet to me was, put it away, love. Thanks. LOL. It? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Sorry, I forgot only men can be sexually confident. Sad face. 
Oh my uh, goodness, who is this? That's um, what's his face? Oh my god, is that? Oh my god, is that Adam? Yeah. Oh my god, he he is really hot. I didn't know he was that hot. Yeah. Holy fuck! I don't like to look at him. Oh my god, he's really pretty. Oh my god, yeah, he's really really good looking. I know. I don't like to look at him. Whoa. Stone. Wow. (laughs) This is very funny. The secret of seduction. But that's what Pierce Morgan did for a Burger King ad. Right, I'm reposting this in the name of male empowerment. And then it's the naked guy in front of the fire. So then they just kept going back and forth, back and forth, back right. and forth. Anyway. So I, wow. I was on the fence about this because if I, I like what she does. I like her. I'm a big Amber Rose fan. Um, and I do like the fact she posted it you know for you know her showing her bush and she, actually it's not it's for the slow walk it's, it's she's promoting she's a smart promoter i, I she's wish a keen she, pr maven but i, I wish she should i think she should have did like two different types because if it was just for her and be like this is what i feel like today that'd been cool but i think she she was just trying to draw attention to of course the she facts, was. which it works she's a pr maven that but that's great worked. for but for slut walk that it totally works because she's basically saying let's not be slut shaming well which is absolutely great. absolutely and, yeah. and victimization of women and all that kind of stuff that that needs to be brought to the to the forefront and and that oh, only when only men can be comfortable with their sexuality in in you know magazines and i mean it's the same thing why why do women's nipples never get to be shown but men are bare-chested all the time what is wrong with our what is what is so shameful and why do we need to cover up our i mean yeah it's cold but what is the strange <laughs> stigma that we've developed in our culture because they're for that, milk yeah but <laughs> the, that's the whole thing a, too is that babies can if they're out in the open then babies can suck on them or whatever by the way there was this woman at my table this weekend who was with her family and just had her tit out nursing Good and, and i was i wanted to put and I, I just wanted to clap and be absolutely like, stick it on the table yeah i'm like get get give that baby some milk in front of your daddy it's i i was just like because rather than being be hidden away like we had to run to the bathroom right and like breastfeed well but the thing is if someone else sexualizes you because you're feeding your child that's their problem that's not your problem exactly that is a that is an absolutely a yp not an mp it's your problem not a my problem absolutely but i mean the whole slut shaming thing it's just like i i I just feel like there's so much on instagram and on the social media market like of yeah we get it but I, but I understand it. I'm just kind of we like... We can bring slut-shaming. We can bring slut-shaming back to Marilyn Monroe. The only way to be sexual and not slut-shaming, shamed, is to be completely compliant with what men want and then to have Absolutely. no expectations on them whatsoever so that they can have their, you know, sexual goddess child... Be the dumb blonde. Right. Without any repercussions. And they want us to embody that. And that's the problem is that we've somehow made and then if women say well I'd like to have control over my own body and my own family reproduction because that's the thing is that when you have sex it's family it's reproduction for the family it's all it's all female reproductive health when you have sex because the whole thing for him well that because you're supposed to be the vessel and carry this baby and it's like Men, so men are allowed he, yeah, so he they're allowed to have their child goddess and do whatever they want with them but then we're the ones that are saddled with it forever so we need access to reproductive health because we can't be the stupid child and just be compliant all the time because otherwise we'll constantly have babies because men never want to use condoms so we just be constantly because it feels better but then if you're pregnant you're not but then once you're pregnant and you have children then you're still sexualized maybe for breastfeeding but you're not because you've had a baby now you're gross and fat or whatever so it's it's like we, we can't win 
And slut shaming is a problem because oh, you yeah. know you either you should address we're like people. That. It doesn't matter. I mean. Yeah, or or we, she, we treated, or she was, you, you asked for it. Yeah. yeah, or she was promiscuous anyway. Well, this comes down to I was speaking with uh, a woman last night, and she is uh, really confident about her body, and uh, it was great. She was wearing the cutest outfit, and I was, I was like, God, I wish I could wear something like that. And she was like, Oh, you can't. And I was like, No, I I really don't like showing my legs in public, and even I'll put tights on them sometimes, but bare legs, it's really hard for me because I feel like everybody's looking. I feel like I'm sexualizing myself, and so there was a guy on the bus yesterday yesterday who totally creeped me out and I was just wearing I happened to actually be wearing a skirt because I was kind of had the night before outfit from the Warriors game um, but it wasn't a super short skirt it was just a shirt skirt and I had knee socks on and he got on the bus and he started turning sideways and he was staring at me and I was trying to look in other places and it made me feel really uncomfortable those eyes so I, I finally looked at him and I'm like dude bro you're creeping me out which I don't usually do I don't usually engage and he's like oh oh I like your earrings and I'm like thanks just <laughs> Basically, like, stop staring him. at me. Yeah, you well, he was totally staring at me, and it made me feel creeped out, and I didn't like it. <laughs> anyway, and he I, went for the earrings. <laughs> well, and I, but I thought, like, it's because I'm wearing a skirt and I'm showing my legs, and that suddenly gives the, somebody the ability to stare me down. It's not fair. I didn't like it. Well, I you didn't keep like wearing it. those skirts with those knee-high socks. Well, he had his Catholic the thing girl is, fantasy going on. I don't want to do that because I don't want to have the attention called to me. And so the girl last night kept saying, oh, it's too bad that you're not more secure with your body that you can go out. And I'm like, no, I'm secure with my body. I'm not secure with people looking at me in a sexual manner on the bus I'd rather not wear makeup I'd rather when I wear makeup I feel like people are looking at me and sexualizing me and she's like maybe that's in your own head and I'm like no I really feel like I get unwanted attention when I wear makeup and I wear clothing that is girly I get unwanted attention and I don't like it. Maybe it's because you're pretty, guys. No, I don't want it, though. I don't want the attention. I don't like it. You are asking for it. I'm not asking for it. That's the thing, you see? It's like I feel like one of these girls that they're like, you won't be victimized if you. It's this. We're talking about the slut walk. Uh, Journey Roberts is here. She's our guest today on Some Call Me Tim at 2 o'clock. We're finishing up the Alta cast. We got into hardcore feminism today. Gloria Steinem, Marilyn Monroe. I know, right? To the gnarl pro was, choice. That was good a good one. piece, yeah. yeah. Oh, and uh, Martha Stewart. Martha Stewart, my favorite to, feminist. Yeah, we got to some recipes. Yeah, we went. We were all yeah. over the map. As Talked a little bit about Trumpito. Oh, God. Uh, but you should go He's check out Ivanka Trump's book, How Women Work. Yeah. It's really fun. Women who firewood. work. Women who women work. work. Oh, and our, and our mixtape. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I got to come with another one next week. Yeah, we got to we got to come up with a person and figure out. Well, I was gonna end us with a, a little Tupac song, "Life Goes On." Yeah, so that we could take a little break before our next show. Latoya, always a pleasure to be with you. Bowing down. Thank you. Oh no, I love. I you're so we're, we're like feminism in weird ways, and that's the thing about feminism. It is there's a huge spectrum. Oh totally. And, and as women, we can participate in any way we want, but please participate in some way. And you don't have to be a feminist. To, you, don't. you don't have to be a woman to be a feminist. You can no. be a guy and you can be a feminist. You can care about women's rights uh, civil liberties and reproductive health and and be a dude uh, yeah be a man a real man a real man a real yeah. man and a uh, real, respect a real man respects the lady absolutely mm. Mm. just like tupac uh, we miss him we miss him we will see you guys next week here on the AltaCast on mutiny radio bye um, bye Peace out, niggas. <laughs> <laughs> i can say it no you can't no it's fine you say it how many brothers fell victim to the street rest in peace young nigga as a heaven forge be alive if i told you that i never thought of that my niggas we be the last ones left but life goes on how many brothers fell victim to the street 
Cause I'm held through the empty halls Breath stinking in my drawers Ring, ring, ring Quiet y'all, here come and call Plus it's my homie from high school He getting by It's time to bury another brother Nobody cry Life is a baller Alcohol and booty calls We used to do them as adolescents Do you recall? Raise the sheets Loped out and blaze the weed Get on the roof, let's get smoked out And blaze with me Two in the morning and we still high assed out Screaming thug till I die before I passed out But now that you're gone, I'm in the zone Thinking I don't wanna die all alone But now you're gone And all I got left is thinking memories I love them niggas to death I'm drinking Hennessy While trying to make it last I drank a fifth for that ass when you pass Cause life goes on How many brothers fell victim to the streets Rest in peace, young nigga There's a heaven for a G Be a lie if I told you that I never thought of death my nigga, we the last ones left, but life goes on How many brothers fell victim to the streets? Rest in peace, young nigga, there's a heaven for it Be a lie if I told you that I never thought of death My nigga, we the last ones left, and life goes on Yeah nigga, I got the word as hell You blue trial and the judge gave you 25 with an L Time to prepare to do fair time, won't see parole Imagine life as a convict that's getting old Plus with the drama, with looking out for your baby's mama Taking risks while keeping cheap checks from getting on her Life in the hood is all good for nobody Remember gaming on dumb hotties at your party Me and you know true or two While scheming on hits and getting tricks That maybe we can slide into But now you worry, rest nigga cause I ain't worried Eyes bloody saying goodbye at the cemetery Though memories fade, I got your name Running for Chancellor of the United States of America. For too long, we have gone without a Chancellor who is willing to take bold leaps of faith and logic to create new possibilities for our great, big, fat nation. As your Chancellor, I will balance the budget on the head of a pin, give entertaining speeches, have scandalous affairs, write strongly worded letters to unpopular foreign leaders, good on camera. End all hunger, crime, abuse, war, disease, disasters, sadness, depression, oppression, repression, suppression, transgression, obsession, expression, impression, regression, and digression by signing pieces of paper that express my disapproval of such things. And invest in an American flag pin to be worn prominently on my stylish jackets. It's time to work together to take the country back from us and return it to ourselves. It's time to turn this country around and drive it into opposing traffic. It's time to take a chance on the Chancellor. Are you tired? of swimming through a sea of podcasts. Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. 
I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> This is Tuzel Matters with Mutiny Radio. Big up to the number one station, the ruling nation. Give it to me every time. Ah! What's with the lip? I got hit by a car on my bike. This person just ran a red light. How are you going to work? You wait tables. I don't know. I'm terrified. I count on my tips, and these hospital bills are confusing. The insurance adjusters just treat me like I'm a piece of paperwork. Yeah, you should go to johnstrausslaw.com. John Strauss is a great personal injury attorney. When I got hurt, he handled everything for me. He was on my side. And best of all, I didn't have to pay out of pocket. He got paid when I did. That's great because I cannot afford to pay out of pocket. Yeah, don't let them confuse you and trick you. They treat you like you're a business. It's not business, it's personal. Injury. JohnStraussLaw.com The Night Space brings you high time story time every Wednesday night from 10 to midnight on Mutiny Radio. Listen to San Francisco's finest underground comedians read crazy stories written by me, Arden, on The Night Space. The Night Space, featuring High Time Storytime, every Wednesday night from 10 to midnight on Mutiny Radio. High Time Storytime, Volume 1, now available on Amazon.com for Kindle and electronic download. Sunday, June 11th at Cobb's Comedy Club, 7.30 p.m. Tickets are $16 for the All-State Heavyweight Comedy Showdown! Hosted by Terry Dorsey, featuring some of the best comedians all over California. From San Francisco, Pam Benjamin. From Saratoga, Joey Avery. And all the way out of San Diego, Mike DeVore. Other comedians as well for only $16 at Cobb's Comedy Club, 915 Columbus Avenue. Go get your tickets for June 11th now. Tell me what you think about your situation. Complication, aggravation. Is it getting to you? Then tune in live every Sunday from 12 to 2 p.m. to the Edge of Insanity with myself, Paul Brumbaugh. Kitten Marie. Brandon Ray. And Mistress Christine. All on Mutiny Radio. That's right, PCRCollective.org. We'll see you there. awesome and underground space for an event? Look no further than mutinyradio.fm. Our 30-seat flexible space can accommodate your acoustic band, birthday party, comedy show, dance party, karaoke super fun, theater event, fundraiser. If you think it, we can do it. You run the door in promotion, we run the sound, space, and podcast. 
Rentals available Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10 at Mutiny Radio FM's Performance Space at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsidai at hotmail.com for more options and booking dates. Incredible socialist prices so you can be creative in a free speech space without breaking the bank. That's Mutiny Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event now. Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here. I'm giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for near five dollars every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because five dollars, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anyone. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So then all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? <laughs> it's a cash cock, honey. <laughs> Think I'm funny, Daryl? Well, I mean, you ever want to be like in front of an audience, like other than like squirrels, dogs, and dead passengers? Well, shh. From time to time, I've given it a thought or two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! Top three cooking tips. One, if you're cutting an onion, remember to cry. Two, put mustard on your marshmallows after they've finished boiling in vinegar at a low temperature. Three, knives are not spoons. <laughs> <laughs> 